FYI, this podcast contains spoilers. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 205 of the podcast that goes snicked. Snicked. We're your host, Jason and Denise Venable. What's up? Not much, and this is it. The moment you've been waiting for. The next latest and greatest event from Marvel starring our X-Men characters. Have I really been waiting for this? Oh, you've been waiting. Oh. With like, bated breath? Uh-huh. Like, like you've been waiting for Christmas. Oh. Yeah. And I didn't even know about it. Right. Right. So anyway, Happy New Year's, everybody. Hope 2017 is kind to you. But of course, we're ready to launch our coverage of Inhumans vs. X-Men. We talked briefly about the Zero issue, but this is it. This is number one. Number uno. Yeah, numero uno. <laughs> Sorry, that's what I... <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's how my 2017 starting out. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so anyway, we're going we're gonna to really dig into that and then talk about a couple other things to round out the episode. And... um. How much we hate Jean Grey. That might come up. Okay. (laughs) Anyway, you ready? Let's do it. All right, here we go. However, before we can get to the big event, the main event, the next event for our Wolverine characters, we got to wrap up the previous event, which has famously been postponed and delayed much like the event before and just like uh, in humans versus x-men will probably be as well <laughs> if i was a gambling man anyway of course i'm talking about civil war 2 civil war 2 number 8 finally came out a couple months after the post civil war 2 storyline started kicking off maybe not quite that far but it feels like it i mean some of these books have two or three issues under their belt Anyway, Civil War 2 number 8. I'm going to barely talk about it because the Wolverine characters aren't really in it per se. They're in a couple of pages of like glorified previews art, which, you know, we'll mention in a minute, like I said. So real fast, Civil War 2 number 8 is written by Brian Michael Bendis with art by David Marquez. The future artists are Adam Kubert. Lionel Francis Yu, Daniel Acuna, Alan Davis, and Mark Farmer, Marco Rudy, Mark Bagley, and John Dell, and Asad Ribic. So colors are by Justin Ponsor, letters by VCs Clayton Cowles, designed by Victor Ochoa, or Ochoa, and the cover is by Marco Djurjevic, which is great. Um, of course, we have our top third is the black and red and white Civil War II banner, and the bottom two-thirds is just... Uh, Iron Man helmet all beat up getting rained on it's a really great cover to be honest best thing about the book well or at least tied with the best thing about the book Marquez's art I'll just say up front is has been amazing the whole way through so we kind of go back a little bit remember um, Carol and Tony are fighting on the steps of Capitol Hill over Spider-Man has come to the final climax, big blows, lots of big art. Of course, 
Uh, Maria Hill is asking the Ultimates to stand down and not interfere. Ulysses is going nuts. Medusa calls Shield is like, you got to stop the fight. But they don't. They can't. Even when they show up and try to stop the fight, it doesn't really work. And Carol doesn't succeed, as we will come to find out. But she tries to just straight up murder Iron Man. Now, granted, he was fighting too, so you could say there was some maybe self-defense, but she definitely goes the extra mile in trying to defeat and finish Tony Stark. So how she comes comes out of this series not being a villain, um, I don't understand at all, but she doesn't. She actually comes out being just as much a hero as ever, which makes no sense. Anyway, you uh, we have a major douche ex machina where ulysses goes and joins the eternals his power evolves past this, the state of human consciousness but not before he, he i don't know if he sees and shows people or just shows the reader a bunch of preview art of different possible futures the uh, the keyboard one of course is looks like the climax of monsters unleashed which we know is coming up early in 2017 by the way art looks pretty good but you know fine whatever we have a, it's a double page spread. Then we have a whole page of art of Inhumans versus X-Men. And that's where we see Sabretooth and all new Wolverine. Uh, oddly enough, no old man Logan in this particular page. But anyway, we see the X-Men attacking new Attilan or new Adelan, however you decide to say it. And yeah, I mean, this is fine. Then we have a page that still shows a future of... Miles Spider-Man uh, over Cap's broken body, which we know doesn't quite play out that way. Though they do have a little tease of him maybe uh, catching some rebar during this fight, like I said, was a possibility. And then um, we know the Inhumans are going to leave the planet, and so the Alan Davis art is a full-page splash of them on some alien world. It looks like it literally looks like John Carter versus War of the Worlds with Medusa just kind of hanging out in the corner um then we have what looks like days of future past but with different heroes we see spider-man and a sentinel oh you know what but that let's see uh old alex ross with his spider-man so maybe it's was it eight not age of x was that's the x-men story well it's the one the future with the heroes i don't remember anyway kingdom x i I don't know uh then we see uh, another glimpse into the old classic Bendis event <laughs> Age of Ultron now, this Ultron looks more like the Destroyer from Thor inter- interestingly enough and we see Carol crying um, and then of course we see one of the Thor futures, nice beautiful art by Rimmick, yeah fantastic, but then like I said the douche ex machina he, he goes and lives with the Eternals Ulysses out and we find out that Tony's not dead but something's happened to his body. He's been experimenting on himself. Of course, if you've read the first three issues of Infamous Iron Man, which has already come out, you know that he uploaded his essence into some AI. And that's maybe why they they can't do anything with his body. But Beast is trying. Of course, he's mad at Carol. Everyone's mad at Carol. Except for the people and the president. Apparently, her Avengers Minority Report program was super popular, which makes no sense. And, um, you know, the president wants her to, to kind of be in charge of whatever she wants to be in charge of. And we see some more, like, new status quos. 
which I expected this. You expect the end of any event to kind of set the stage for the new status quo for all the players involved. So we see like the challengers breaking off and doing their thing. We see the guardian stuck on Earth. We see Captain America in a big long shadow because he's bad now. Uh, Steve, that is. You know, we see the Inhumans mad and ready to leave. We see Hulk doubting herself, it says, and we know that's going to play into her book. We see the Defenders coming together. We see Carrie Williams picking up an Iron Man mask. We see some Black Panther stuff. All that, which we expect in a book like this. What I didn't expect was for some of these new status quos or possible futures to literally be like just one. Let's, let's count them up. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight full-page previews of just stories that we're going to read later. You know, maybe some of them we already read, I guess. But, yeah. And, of course, that's counting the Monsters Unleashed as one. Or as two, I mean, because it's two pages. It's a double-page spread. I'm rambling. I don't care. Um. Anyway, I... This book is terrible. The art is amazing. Marquez is a home run hitter uh, pretty much every time he draws, in my opinion. I, I've yet to see anything from his that wasn't astounding, and this is no exception. It's a great-looking book. The story. All right, a lot of people have dogged on Civil War too. I actually thought it was kind of interesting. I see the pitfalls to it. I see kind of some of the unoriginality to it like you know i joke about and i'm not the only one about it kind kind of being uh avengers minority report right and you know the hero versus hero stuff has kind of been played out the events kind of played out whatever that's fine but i actually and of course i don't have well i have background as a wolverine fan with carol danvers i haven't had as much background with her as captain marvel like i'm not as emotionally invested in this particular phase, though I have enjoyed, you know, what I've read of the last last volume. But, so I don't feel that necessarily that character betrayal that a lot of her fans felt, and I think deservedly so, because she does come off as a complete ass in this book. And Vendis tries to write this like, you know, everyone's kind of right, everyone's kind of wrong, but that's not how it reads. Not in my opinion, anyway. Yeah, so I don't know. So I, I understand all that, but I still kind of enjoyed, at least more than a lot of people I talked to, uh, the story. But this this last issue was a waste. It felt cheap. It felt kind of worthless. It felt completely anticlimactic, even with the big you know pages of fighting, which, like I said, looked amazing. Um, but just a huge disappointment. I mean, I guess if you hated this all along, it's just more of the same for you, but... Like I said, for me, and I talked to Andrew about this at work, and he kind of felt the same way. Like he's, He was kind of digging the, the series as well overall. I mean, recognizing it had its problems, like I said. But, you know, still enjoying it. But he, I mean, he, I think he was even more mad than I was. <laughs> and so, yeah. So, yeah, yuck. Barf. I'm going to give Civil War 2, number 8. It's a real stinker. I'm going to give it 2 out of 6 claws and all of that is just for Marquez being an awesome artist. Um, I, you know, and I'm not a Bendis hater. I like Bendis, but this book sucked. So there you go. Um, real fast, in the Ultimates 2, number one, we have a kind of Civil War 2 recap on one of the pages. 
So real fast, this is written. Uh, where are the credits? Get me to the credits. How far in do I got to go? Are they at the end? They sure are. All right. So What Do You Dream is written by Al Ewing, art by Travis Foreman, colors by Dan Brown, letters by VCs Joe Sabino, and the cover is by Travel Foreman. And the cover is Galactus, the life bringer in the background with the Ultimates kind of exploding out of him. It's a pretty good cover. Um, another shout out to the Intercomics podcast. I believe one of them had this as their pick for the best cover of that episode. Pretty good. Yeah, I don't think I loved it quite as much, but I enjoyed it. So basically, you know, we know that Eternity is in chains, like the Marvel character Eternity has been chained up. And there's a darkness spreading, and it's affecting all these places. And one of the examples of that darkness is Civil War II, and we see Old Man Logan trying to cut Venom in a big melee. So basically, this book consists of Galactus reaching back out to the Ultimates and drawing them back together to be his heralds of life, to fight this spreading universal darkness. Uh, Carol and T'Challa meet. I drew a blank. I I wanted to call him Wakanda, and I know that's not right. That's his country. (laughs) Sorry, guys. Yeah, Carol and T'Challa meet, and Carol's like, we're not doing the Ultimates anymore. Even if I wanted to, I can't. I'm sworn not to, and as a government employee, that would be treason. But of course, Galactus calls and pulls them together. And this book is pretty good. I've been enjoying the Ultimates book. Um, I've said before, and other people have said this as well, it feels like a really good Fantastic Four book. And of course, now after Civil War II, we're starting a new volume, starting it over, which is fine. And honestly, I should have done this issue probably an episode ago. I just, I missed it that there was that, that Civil War II scene in there. So I decided to throw it in with Civil War II. The story really picks up a lot better and kind of with more detail and more stakes in issue number two. But issue number one was still pretty good. Um, I'm gonna uh, The art was good. The story was pretty good. Overall, I'm going to give the Ultimates two number one, four out of six claws. But I would definitely recommend... You know, reading the first volume of this and then picking this series up and seeing where it goes because it's been been really good. And the second issue, like I said, is was a little more um, interesting for me, but this one was good too. So four out of six, not bad, right? So anyway, that that finally puts a bow on Civil War Two. So we can talk about the thing we want to talk about. You know, I think, <laughs> which is IVX. So let's go to that now, like as I promised in the intro. Okay, and now that we got that out of the way, we can get to the main event. Inhumans versus X-Men number one. And then we have a couple of tie-ins that I'll hit very, very briefly as well. But uh, round one, Inhumans versus X-Men number one, or IVX, as some are calling it. Um, is written tag team by... Charles Soule and Jeff Lemire. I don't know which one's the Inhuman and which one's the Mutant, but um, actually I do because Charles Soule is writing all the Inhuman books and Jeff Lemire is writing all the X-Men books. I wonder if they duke it out in their offices. I hope so. <laughs> uh, penciler is Lineal Francis Yu. Inker is Jerry Allen 
Colorist is David Curiel. Letters are VCs Clayton Cowles. And the cover is by you. You did the cover. You. 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 No, you. No, you. (laughs) (laughs) Who's on first? We can do that all night, folks, but we won't. Um, Anyway, the cover is a classic us versus them, starting with Human Torch and Old Man Logan on the bottom, followed by Miss Marvel and Marvel Girl. I don't think she's ever gone by that. Anyway, Young Jean Grey. Ew. Um, Then we have Magneto and Black Bolt headbutting each other. We have Psylocke yelling at Karnak, Storm and Medusa about to go at it, Sabretooth and some kid in one of those helmets when their head's not round enough. Uh-huh. And um, Colossus versus Reader, maybe. Uh, Archangel versus a blue lightning guy. And Iceman versus uh, the, the creature from the Black Lagoon and the ISO, I think is her name. I don't know. Anyway, look at it if you care. Do you, did you notice that the cover with all the characters makes an X? Does it? I don't know. Yeah, kind of. All right. There's an X under Magneto's armpit. <laughs> That's coming from the light of verses. Oh, uh, yeah. True. Hmm. I wonder if this means the X-Men are going to win. It's a little Easter egg. They better win. Anyway, my favorite part about the cover is that in the front and back cover, much like they did with Civil War with the cardstock covers, there's like a um, kind of fake halftone. The Inhuman side is more gold and the X-Men side is more blue. It kind of enlarges part of the cover and makes it look all old. I like that. We have the cover again on his regular paper. You know, in case your dust cover fell off. Right. This this is all in an attempt to justify the five ninety nine price tag. Psh. Which it does not. Wonder, but, well, yeah. okay, but not trying to completely justify it, but so the outside is very slick. Like yeah, it's no, been it's, coated. It's, it's, yeah. And so I wonder if they put UV coating on it to make it the covers last longer. Possibly. But it's definitely cardstock and it's definitely glossy. Uh Okay, so it's not cardstock. It's called 14-point board. This is the sound of me (laughs) not caring. I'm just (laughs) letting you know that it felt more like a 14-point board than it did a cardstock. It's thicker than the regular comic book paper. Uh And it feels like a card, like a trading card. Cardstock is usually printed on 80-pound cover. Yep. So this episode (laughs) of Know Your Paper is brought to you by uh, Dunder Mifflin. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Anyway, so we start off... Brought to you by Don't Care. No, it's very interesting. Someone listening will love that information you just gave. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we start on your island at the uh, grave of Scott Summers' Cyclops. Teacher, warrior, hero, mutant, he fought for us. And Beast is, old Beast is trying to figure out was it worth it. My favorite part about this first page is as he walks down the hill, we see all the simultaneous graves of multiple men. As we see the Jamie Madrox headstone, 
And then we see that he's got like two rows of, of graves below him for all the multiples. I thought that was pretty cool. I didn't understand that. Oh, well, so multiple, Jamie Madrox is multiple man, and he can basically make copies of himself. Oh, so every time he died? Well, so a bunch of them died at the same time when they got hit by the mist. Ah. Uh. So sometimes, like, when the multiples died, they would just go back into them. But, this, I mean, since I guess they all died at the same time. Okay. Yeah. So Beast has gathered the leaders of the X-Men. Um, and he squeezed Storm's waist really, really tight. And um, <laughs> yeah, but he's got them all together to talk about that he was unable to find a cure, and that the Inhumans are prepared to protect the Cloud at all costs. So what are we gonna do? So he has Magneto, Forge, Young Beast, Emma Frost, Rogue, Storm, and Old Man Logan, all getting oh, together. That's Frost. Yeah, that's Emma Frost in her black suit. She looks a you lot tell like her boobs are pushed together. Well, yeah, I actually thought she was magic the way her boobs were pushed together. Oh, yeah, they do share that similarity. But yeah, no, it's Emma Frost. Okay. So they're trying to come up with a plan. Beast says, "We're out of time. I failed." Uh oh. Yeah. Then we get a little introduction page and a roll call. Um. I don't know who that is. Um, yeah, anyway. Um, so then we go to the quiet room in New York City. <laughs> with a lot of cleavage. A lot. <laughs> and um, we have the rag man. Um, who's always on the rag. Um, <laughs> can't believe you said and that. And we have a new singer. A singer who comes with a great light show. Gee, I wonder who that is. Well, she has Ooh. black hair. It can't be Dazzler. <gasps> Wigs. So anyway, she's the uh, the mole. Um, and Beast is talking about the cloud, about how Cyclops destroyed the first one, giving you some backstory for Death of X. Um, Emma says, you know, we, we've all had backup plans all along. Um, we agreed to a truce, and we honor that, you know, that one point saved mutants. But Emma's like, nope. Um, Beast wants everyone to calm down. We have to be unified. Um, and he talks about the increases in the Terrigen levels he's detected around the world. Um, and then basically, it will eventually disperse to where it takes over the whole atmosphere. Like, it's not just moving, it's like dissipating. Dissolves. Yeah. So at that point, the Earth will be completely uninhabitable for mutants. And this takes place dun, in roughly... Dun, dun. Doesn't he say the timetable's two weeks? Oh. Um, it's, it's, yeah, something like that. So time is running out. Yeah, time is running out. So we go to New Adelin, or New Attilin, however you want to say it. Um, and Medusa's having a bad hair day. <laughs> a really bad hair. And she has some young new humans that she's talking to him about Terragenesis. Then Johnny comes in. I actually like his new suit. Um, and he says, those incoming. Um, and this is where Beast tells you two weeks. And then when there's a big bang, and, uh, Magneto gives a nice speech about how 
You know, he won't see his people gassed to death again. I really loved his speech. Yeah, it was pretty good. Um, so Beast talks about the options. Uh, we can leave. We can go find an, another planet somewhere where we can survive and just start over. Or we can die. And Magneto's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> There's a very obvious other option. And so, you know, one of the things that the Inhumans have been doing, thanks to Beast prompting, is they've been going kind of ahead of the cloud, and Beast helped them make like kind of a, a mini Cerebro kind of. Right. And so whenever they know a cloud is about to hit a populated area, they scan it for mutants and go try to save them. Tell so them here, you need to come with us. Yeah. So here we are in Chechnya, and they found one. And this guy's being kind of stubborn and crotchety and uh, turns out as Magneto. Uh, there's more pages of Talkie Talk, uh, including one where Old Man Logan says, um, you know, this may be crazy, but that's all we have left. Um, Karnax and the Tower of Wisdom. And I think this is where Gene, young Gene imprisons him inside his own mind. Um, but they got to get him off the table. So more talky-talky. Um, talking about Black Bolt is the first one they got to take out. Um, old Man Logan talks about the dog, uh, which is, of course, his lockjaw. Um, he can teleport him. It was like, can't believe we forgot that. Old Man Logan says... I ain't just at this meeting for my good looks, darling. So then, speaking of Lockjaw, Miss um, Marvel is giving him a walk in Jersey City. Suddenly, he disappears. And of Oops. course, he has a habit of that, so Miss Marvel doesn't care. <laughs> well, I mean, he's a teleporting dog. It's going to happen, right? Right. Where'd Max go? I don't know. Max, you better not be on the inhuman side. This is a podcast that goes snicked. <laughs> so Beast is mad that they're going to fight, but of course everyone outvotes him. They're like, sorry, dude, we've all been planning this. Yep. Rogue, even with the Uncanny Avengers, is like, she votes no, but Forge votes yes. Old young beast votes yes. Storm says, I already planned on this. <laughs> um, and beast leaves. He's like, fine. I'm going to go finish my work. But Storm zaps him with lightning. And he's and, sizzling. Yep. He's got a little fried fur. He's like, I can't let you go. Someone help beast. The rest of you suit up. So then we find out who the mystery woman was. And it was, wait. It's Frost, right? Oh, yeah, this one's Emma Frost. The other mystery woman was Dazzler. Right. So Frost is looking all sexy on the couch with a glass of something. And um, she tries to seduce Black Bolt for a second, talks about his little tuning fork on his head. And then Dazzler comes in, Frost, Diamonds, Black Bolt. I love the way they draw this. They draw a little tiny don't in his mouth. Which, you know, even his whispers can shake the world, right? Right. So he shoots all these sound waves at Dazzler, and I really like the colors Curiel does 
on Dazzler. This is like the best use of Dazzler in a really, really long time. I was going to say, that's the only panel that I've ever seen of Dazzler <laughs> that I've actually enjoyed. Yeah. But she returns it all back to him, takes Black Bolt out uh, after Diamond Emma crushes his larynx, basically. Um, and so Dazzler lets him have it, and Black Bolt is off the table. Karnak is off the table as young Gene traps him inside his own mind. Of course, he can find his way out of any situation, right? Mm-hmm. So she knows she can't hold him forever, but she just needs to hold him long enough. Um, so Magneto, after he reveals himself, overtakes the inhuman ship, wraps him up in their own metal. Um, Lockjaw looking a lot more like a sheepdog than usual. I thought he was more like a bulldog or like a pug. Uh, yeah, it's more like a bulldog, kind of, but he looks very, very hairy here. Uh, Phantom X pulled the old pills in the steak routine. <laughs> and then we go back to the beginning where Johnny Storm sees something coming. And it's the X-Men! Yay! Woo-hoo. And only Wolverine shows up in this last full-page ah. spread. So, yeah, so this is it. This is the event of the January the event of the January. Yeah, of the December. So it goes through January, February, and March. Ooh. Right. We'll be talking about this a long time. So what, my dear co-host, did you think of the art? Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm torn. Let it all hang out. Okay. They did. I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm torn because while I really enjoyed some aspects of the art, there were other aspects of the art that really disappointed me. Okay. I was very disappointed in how the women were drawn. Storm has a teeny, teeny, tiny waist. Frost and Dazzler look as if their stomachs are about to, like they haven't eaten in weeks. They're, <laughs> they're caved in almost to the point of ridiculousness. Right. Um, all the girls have ginormous boobs. Like right there, see how her her abdomen like caves in. That's right. completely yeah. unnatural. Right. Um, when Emma Frost is sitting on the sofa, she can look sexy, but the, and I get you know you want the dress to be provocative, but she's wearing a washcloth. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just call it what it is. Oh, it's like a red carpet type dress. I mean, it's something you would see. Yeah, I just I feel like they. Every chance they got to show off cleavage, to right. make the boobs bigger than they needed to be. Yeah. I mean, even Jean Grey, who's supposed to be this young girl, right? Yeah, that's what I was looking for. She's not like too huge, but that scene where she's leaning in front of Karnak. And she's got the side boob. I yeah. mean. Yeah, I hear you. Even, it is unfortunate because. Even the, the inhuman woman, when they're all being wrapped up in metal, they're making a point of she's got even though she's completely covered and not showing cleavage, she's got ginormous boobs. Everybody has ginormous boobs. And these unrealistic waists, which, you know, we've had this conversation that I like when X-23, a.k.a. all-new Wolverine, when they draw her with more of a 
athletic stocky yes. figure. Yeah. Yeah. And they she doesn't have the big boobs. She has the athletic shape that that appeals to me more because it's a more of a realistic view of what would a fit woman look like. And I just, I feel like all the women in this book are completely unrealistic. Yep. It's a fair criticism. It's also unfortunate because a, you as a great artist and B, like you said, there are some parts of this book that are just plain badass. Yeah. Um, the first page I think is beautiful. Yes. Um, his his take on the current iteration of Beast is fantastic. Oh yeah. Um, his old man Logan is preferable to almost anybody else drawing him right now. Um, he still looks old, but he doesn't look stupid. Right. Um, and even the scene, the, the the first scene of the quiet room, which does have some unfortunate cleavage, that's a great page. It is a great page, and. And, and to be honest and fair, when I first turned to this page, I did go, oh, why do they have so much flipping cleavage? Right. But it's New York City. Yeah. And I kind of gave it a pass. But then right. every page I turned, I just sort of went, mm, oh, that there's some your, more. There's your some pass more. Right. is gone. <laughs> yeah. Um, like, for example, this the scene where Beast is pointing at the globe, like yes. that hand, like it's a little thing, but it looks great. Yeah. Um, so there's there's a lot of really great art, and it just kind of at some points gets overshadowed by some oversexing. And it's not just I mean, even Medusa, like well, see some of that I'm more likely to give a pass because they're doing a far off shot, but they still want to show that it's a female. I don't I don't know. That's kind of iffy. I I but, but yeah, but look at that. I mean, her boobs go out. Oh right, right. They're like, looking, they're looking cross-eyed. Past her shoulders. I mean, there is a level of realism, but there. I'm sorry. If a woman's boobs were that big, they would not be able to fight. They wouldn't be able to like cross their right their arms. Their arms in front yeah. of them. And then you have the scene where Magneto and Beast face yes. off, and Magneto, and when he gives a speech, is a great pose. So, I mean, it's some of it, and this is not an excuse. But some of it is you came up in the 90s, right? Where comics were very sexy. Yes. And so some of it is he's just a product of his time. Right. But there are some artists that have kind of chosen to move past that. Right. To a degree. And there are some, obviously, that haven't. And there are some who are just playing beefcakes. I don't don't feel like he's trying... I don't think his his bread and butter is just being sexy. So I don't think it's he's not like a um, a Frank Cho situation where, you know, you hire him to have sexy comics. Right. I think it's just I don't know. It's just something that's part of his style. Yeah, I and just it's unfortunate because he's very very talented. Well, and and sometimes. He, and yes, on the podcast, I get on my hard horse about the female characters having big boobs. And sometimes that's just it. Like the body proportions for everything else are normal. It's just their boobs are a little bit bigger. But this one, I felt like it took not just the big boob step. It took the like anorexic, caved in stomach. Right. Which and I guess this is what bothers me is in this day and age, like... Okay, if you're going to draw the big boobs, at least draw the rest of the body a little bit more. 
realistic to form. Curvy, right. Right. Yeah. And not so anorexically thin because if a young girl, a 13-year-old, a 14-year-old who's going through puberty, who's, you know, isn't going to have the caved-in tummy because the hormones are raging and everything's round and curvy, they're going to see that and they're going to think that's the only thing that's sexy. Right. And that's what bothers me. Yeah. No, I agree. It's unfortunate. And it's one of those things, too, that, like, and I don't know who would keep the flow chart or the, for you G.I. Joe fans, the file cards. But, I mean, one thing, you know, because Emma has kind of always traded on her physicality and her sexiness. Right. Okay? And she's always kind of been the bucks and blonde. Right. So, to me... Having her with a lot of cleavage or big boobs kind of makes sense. It's part of her character. Right. But when every, when every, I guess going back to Denise's point, when every female in the book looks the same, then it's no longer a character trait. It's just the way this artist for this issue has chosen to draw women. And that bothered me. Right. Which, like you said. There's no separation. No. And it's like you said, it's sad because there are great panels in this book. And then as a woman, I hit other pages. And I'm like, really? Did we did we really have to go there? <laughs> um, and there were little in- inconsistencies that I saw. In one panel, Storm's little X-Men belt is on the right. And then on another page, it's on the oh. left. And <laughs> That's funny. I didn't notice any of that. Yeah, in the beginning of the book, I think it's on her. It's on the right there. Yeah, but. Right there. Go Let's all the see. way to the back. Let's see. I'm going to look and find this for you. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, that one's on both. So let's see. Okay, so here. Oh, they're on both. Are they? Yeah, she has two. She has double X's. Oh, well, that's just stupid. I liked it when I thought it was a side belt buckle. Oh. <laughs> no, I don't like it at all. Oh, well, sorry. Yeah. Well, anyway, um, enough about the art. I think we've. I love the colors. Made our point. Colors are great. Curiel's a great colorist. Yeah. Hands down. Like like you said, I think this was the best dazzler colors. Oh, it looked great. Yeah, it was fantastic. Yeah. Especially the one where she kind of, where she takes on so much sound from Black Bolt. Right. Then it like literally makes her exhibit the whole prism of color. Yes. I thought that was a nice touch. Abe, I mean, she's always colorful anyway. But almost like this color overload because right. she was overloaded with sound. It was, it was a great panel, a great use of Dazzler. Yeah. And those are not, that's not a phrase I say very often. No. In <laughs> fact, I think that's the first time we've ever said it. The only thing I didn't... So let's, let's transition from the art to the story. The only thing that kind of bothered me about it is as soon as they said, we have this new singer that does this... I not only was like, I think it was probably pretty obvious to most people it was going to be Dazzler. I mean, it's, I, it's Inhumans versus X-Men. I didn't notice it till part of the way through the book. And oh, then okay. it was like, oh. Uh, see, I, I not only knew it was Dazzler, I was like, oh, she's a per- perfect person to take out Black Bolt because Black Bolt can't beat her. Yeah, I think had they not made... Cause in the beginning of the book, when the guy's like, yeah, she's an up and coming and booking this and booking that. And right. I think I'm going to hire her. He's like, wow, you've spent a lot of conversation on this. 
and I had that hint of she's important. <laughs> right. I just Otherwise, don't I know. wouldn't talk about it. Right. right. I just don't know how she's important. And then later on, I went, uh. Yeah. So I kind of wish they just would have kept it secret. Like, yeah, I found this girl on the street, and she was awesome. Yeah. All right. So what do you think of the, of the story, of the writing? Um, there were parts that I was just like, ugh. A lot of talking, a lot of talking in this but, book. But then there were great speeches, like the speech yeah. Magneto has, where he's like, I don't want to witness my people being gassed again. You you could tell from his monologue that that hurt him. He was going through PS, what is it? Post-traumatic PST? stress yeah. syndrome. You know, like, it, I felt it. I thought it was very moving. So there were parts of the writing that I was like, oh, awesome. And then other parts, I'm just like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Moving on. Yeah. No, there is, there's a lot of words. I mean, I guess that comes with having two writers. Yeah. <laughs> um, I want them to say this. So not going into the specific, like, scene by scene. We kind of did that when we went through the book. What do you think about this just as far as moving forward the story of the conflict between the Inhumans and the X-Men. Well, I made a mistake and didn't read the summary in the beginning. Oh, right, right. And you didn't read Death of X, which, good on you, because it's not worth reading. So, some of this I was a little, huh? Okay. But then as I got towards the end, it was like, okay, I kind of pieced it together. And then luckily, you know, I'm married to a comic book nerd. Right. So I was able to go, what's going on here? What? So he's dead? So, and you jogged my memory of some things and it was like, oh yeah, okay. So, eh. Yeah, I thought it was pretty good. I like kind of the, even though it was, even though I figured it out too early, I enjoyed the part with kind of Dazzler infiltrating the club, taking out Black Bolt. I liked the idea of Gene trying to trap Karnak you know, kind of in this loop of his mind, even though she knows it won't last. And right. that kind of gives a sense of urgency, too. Uh, the straight-on fighty fight part is fine. Um, the super long meeting of the ex-leaders, I, I thought felt long in the tooth of parts. Okay. Um, but overall, um, old man Logan comes out fine. He's just kind of backing everybody's play up like he understands that it's time for action right right um yeah yeah any other any other comments before we grade it nope all right when are you going to grade in humans versus x-men number one i'm going to give it a three out of six okay part of it's it was wordy the other part of it is i'm really disappointed in some of the art decisions but then there are other aspects that pulled it up, you know, the use of Dazzler, um, the colors, some of the speeches. But one one positive never over outweighed a negative. Right. Fair enough. Um, I'm right there with you. I'm, I'm kind of oscillating. I've been trying to think about what I want to give it, whether three out of six claws or four out of six claws. I think I liked enough... No, I don't think I did. Um, <laughs> I enjoyed the art. I enjoyed the colors. Some of the same criticisms, obviously, of the art that you had. Right. Um, and the pacing of the book 
Um, I think they probably should have just let Charles Soule write this, but, you know, I don't know. Um, yeah, I'm going to go three out of six claws as well, but it was, it was more on the positive side of the three. I just, you know, I don't know. For all the same reasons. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. All right, so a couple of tie-ins I'm going to talk about real fast. and I'll just interject. Yeah, you can just interject. Um, we have, of course, Old Man Logan and Extraordinary X-Men number 17, written by Jeff Lemire, penciled by someone I've never seen before, so we got a first on the podcast, Eric Coda. Inks by Tom Palmer. Colors by Maury Hollowell. Letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. And the cover is by David Yarden. And the cover's pretty cool. Um, it's like a big rock statue of the Inhumans crushing the X-Men and Storm holding it up on her shoulders. And of course, this is a direct homage to an old Secret Wars cover where the heroes get buried and the Hulk is like holding up this mountain from crushing them. Oh, it looked like a tree. Oh, uh, yeah, I can see a little... Like they were hiding in the tree. Oh, that's funny. No, I think it's like a rock, like a sculpture, statue, whatever. Um, Anyway, the idea that the Inhumans are crushing our X-Men and it's on Storm's back to try to save them. So I like the cover. And, I mean, David Yarden's a good artist, so I always enjoy his covers. Um, So basically, this is the story of... The extraordinary X-Men save a girl who has impox and bring her back to limbo. And she's dying and her sister's like, the only thing I want to happen is for her to be able to talk to Storm. Storm is her hero. And she basically goes around trying to find Storm and to find people to show the Storm, but everybody's just too busy. Too much going on. Um, Old Man Logan uh, is actually represented visually pretty well. Yeah. Um, so the guy's art, the new guy's art, not bad there. Um, he basically just is moral support for Storm. Says, I got your back, whatever you decide to do here. Um, and basically what happens is th- this story kind of serves as the impetus for Storm to decide that we have to fight because she does finally, someone gets her attention as she goes to see this dying girl and, you know, as, as she dies, of course, Storm is, you know, touched by the experience. And there's a big double-page spread where you see her crying and lightning, like, flashing over the X-Men. It's a pretty cool little page. You see yeah. the tear drops down. Um, and so, basically, this is, this is what pushes Storm over the edge. The art, I thought, was inconsistent. There are a couple of brilliant pages. But then a lot of the art's just kind of ho-hum. Right. Um, but then there's really great stuff. So it's kind of, I don't know, kind of averages out, I guess. The story was fine. I mean, it maybe wasn't as emotional as they wanted it to be, but there is definitely the idea of this girl who worships Storm and finally gets to see her and is right as she dies. I don't know. I couldn't tell if I liked it or if I felt like it was too, like, trying to grab my emotions. Like, I don't know. I it, As you're telling me this, I'm reminded of the Santa story that, like, floated around Facebook for a while. Did you see that? No. So this mall Santa 
apparently in his spare time would also go visit hospitals. Okay. And like as Santa or just as a volunteer? No, like as Santa. Okay. And he had been contacted that said, hey, this little boy is dying and his wish is to meet Santa. So this, you know, mall Santa dresses up like Santa, goes into the room. He's like, ho, ho, ho. I've got a gift. I heard you've been the very best boy. He like gives him this toy. It's Paw Patrol. The kid's only like no more than seven or eight. He had to be seven because he got Paw Patrol. Um. Why are you? Oh, okay. Um, so then, you know, he, the little boy tells Santa, you know, I'm sick. You know, I'm dying. And he goes, yeah. He goes, but you know what? When you do die, he goes, when you go up to heaven, you should tell them that you are Santa's very best elf. And the little boy said, really? And Santa says, yes. And the little boy jumps up and gives him a hug. And Santa's hugging him. And all of a sudden, the little boy goes limp. And when he goes limp, all the little heart monitor and stuff goes off and the mom starts screaming and the Santa like lays him down and people come in and start working on the little boy. And the the guy who plays Santa ran off because he realized at that point that little boy died and he died when Santa made his wish come true. And it changed that mall's, I mean, when the, the video on Facebook is of the mall Santa, like sharing the story and he's just in complete tears right and so that's what when you were rehashing this i just remembered the mall santa story all right sorry that's real life that's so yeah (laughs) definitely more touching yeah um yeah so i don't know and kind of this story just the way the tone the way it was written kind of straddled the fence between being a really emotional gut punch and kind of feeling manipulative yeah. And honestly, that that is every story, I guess, is fiction. Right. Because you write to evoke feelings, right? It's intentional. It's not an accident. Right. I guess some writers are just able to pull it off and make it feel like you're experiencing it naturally versus here, let me tell you what to experience. Right. And so it's a subtle difference. And I'm not saying Lumira completely missed it here. But um, anyway, I'm going to give Extraordinary X-Men number 17 three out of six claws. So next up, we have Uncanny X-Men number 16, written by Colin Bunn, art by Edgar Salazar. Inkers are Ed Tadeo and Edgar Salazar. Colors are Nolan Woodard. VC's Joe Caramagna does the letters, and then Ken Lashley and Nolan Woodard do the cover. And in the cover, we have Karnak in a glowy maze. And we have Young Gene and Phantom X in the background as giants watching over him. Um, I like Lashley's style, so it's a fine cover. Um, Karnak looks appropriately distraught, I guess. Running through his maze. And this, this is pretty much all about um, Karnak and Gene Grey's little trap. And he fights this a mental image of Sabretooth. I think that's our only only actual appearance of Sabretooth in this book. Um, the only thing I didn't like about it is he takes Sabretooth down very, very easily. And I know he's Karnak, fine, but come on. <laughs> um, At and, least make him work for it. Yeah. So now at this point, uh, Gene has recruited the assistance of the Stepford Cuckoos to help kind of solidify her psychic trap. 
and Karnak is starting to realize that something's wrong. Meanwhile, Phantom X is out running around with the world, um, and at the end, he becomes the world, or that's his goal, so he's kind of got ulterior motives. Um, there's a whole bunch of stuff. There's a really cool panel of Old Man Logan uh, in a big fight of all the X-Men attacking Karnak. It's a nice panel. I don't really understand why Domino is trying to shoot as she runs away, <laughs> but other than that, and there's there's one where Old Man Logan takes a swipe at Karnak. Some really nice panel, too. Um, nice colors, nice panel. Um, so Phantom X discovers that someday was being run by some world AI. He takes it over, um, and that's about it. He's got a he's got a plan he's working on. Um, so the art, I'm not I don't know this guy really that I remember, but I thought the art was pretty good. Wizard's colors were great. Um, the story was, I mean, the idea that we saw in Inhumans versus X Men number one of putting Karnak in this mental cage and this mental trap is interesting. Um, I didn't really care to see all the details on it, I guess, once I actually saw them. <laughs> it's like, oh, this will be cool, and then it was just kind of so-so. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep with our Inhuman versus X-Men average. I'm going to give Uncanny X-Men number 16 three out of six claws. And that is our debut coverage of Inhumans versus X-Men. Just kind of fine. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. It's not bad. Whole lot better than Death of X. So it's got that going for it. <laughs> but um, anyway, we will continue, of course, to update you because I'm sure all our Wolverine characters will be involved in this big mutant-wide war. So there you go. Moving on. Okay, up next we have Where's Wolverine? And the first place is in Robbie Reyes, Ghost Rider number two. And so Ethan is back to talk about it with us. Hey, Hello. Ethan. <laughs> What's up, buddy? Hello. <laughs> you want to say Happy New Year? Happy New Year 2017. Yep, it's here. It's here. All right, and speaking of here, Wolverine is in Ghost Rider number two, Four on the Floor, part two. Um, this is written by Felipe Smith with art by Danilo S. Beiruth, colors by Jesus Arbatov, letters by V.C.'s Joe Caramagna. And we have designs by Manny Medeiros. And the cover is by the writer, who is Felipe Smith. And what's on the cover? It's Ghost Rider with the car all on fire. Yep. It's a close-up kind of on Ghost Rider's face through the windshield. And we see kind of just a little bit of the, the motor coming out of the hood. And it's on fire, of course. And then there's lots of fire and even some like maybe fire spit. <laughs> fire is like coming out of his mouth, which I thought it is a very interesting choice because most of the ghost riders, they open their mouth and there's just fire comes out. Right. So. And he has like fire drool. <laughs> like little lava. <laughs> ghost rider is secretly, all the different ghost riders are secretly dragons. And they drew lava. Yeah. <laughs> they drew lava. Yep. The, the Ghost Rider secret. He's just a dragon. 
Right. <laughs> Very cool. Well, do you like the cover? Yes, I do. Yeah, I think it looks pretty great. All the kind of white and yellow to kind of make the flame look hotter. Look, they work really well. All right, so remember last time uh, Ghost Rider was barely in this, and um, <laughs> they the Hulk, totally awesome Hulk and all new Wolverine found a monster on the beach, and that's where we are. So what happens, Ethan? We're back, and we have Wolverine facing the giant purple monster Pokemon thing. <laughs> yeah. And what happens when she tries to fight it? Uh, she can't kill it. Yeah, she can't cut the skin. She's like, that's impossible. And, of course, Gabby's worried. Um, I thought it was really cool. So the monster throws Wolverine through a windshield. And then she pops out the back of the hatchback. <laughs> that's what I thought was cool. She, she she gets smashed back into her car. She just goes through the trunk. And now she's in her costume. Oh, yeah. You know, I didn't catch that the first time. Yeah, so she's in street clothes. She's in a little Han Solo jacket, or uh, <laughs> a Star Wars jacket, anyway. And she gets thrown through the windshield, and she comes out the hatchback in her all-new Wolverine costume. She ca- still can't cut the skin, though, and what does that remind her of? The Hulk. Yeah, the Hulk, which I didn't realize that um, Amadeus's Hulk couldn't be cut by adamantium, because... In the past, Wolverine could always cut the hole. He just healed really fast. But anyway, apparently this guy can't be cut. The new hole can either can the beast. So what do they do? Fight it some, smash it through a window. Yeah, and the Hulk's like, good thing he didn't bite you or scratch you or he would get your powers. And then what, what does he look at? Wolverine who's dripping blood. Yeah. <laughs> Oops. And then the blood drips down and the monster does what? Licks it up. Yep, licks it with his tongue and turns into a three-headed healing wolverine monster. What I thought was the weirdest is that the middle head is upside down and has horns coming out of its chin. Yeah, I don't know why, why it grew three heads. That doesn't really make sense to me, but it does. It doesn't and does at the same time. Right. But it does grow claws, and it starts to heal, and it's a pretty nasty-looking creature. It grows another set of arms also. (laughs) Oh, yeah, it does. Huh, very weird. Anyway, the Hulk's like, this sucks. (laughs) So we go back to the mechanic shop, and we see, um, basically, there's a job interview. And this guy's being interviewed, and he's just got out of prison. And did you kind of did you catch what all was happening here? No, kind of. Okay. So basically, this guy's kind of a criminal, but he's out of jail now. And the guy who owns the mechanic shop knew his dad. He was good friends with his dad. So he's going to hire this, this prisoner, this ex-con, kind of as a favor for who he's related to. And not everyone really likes that. And then we have Ghost Rider Robbie Reyes. What's he doing? He's in the bathroom. He's throwing up. Yeah. For a second, I thought they were showing him peeing in the I toilet. I wasn't. Yeah, it's pretty yellow. And, and fr- it's shot from behind the art like if it was a camera. And so it's coming from between his legs because he's bending over <laughs> puking. But yes, it does look like he has some really gnarly <laughs> urine. <laughs> Basically, he's talking. And it goes, splash. 
<laughs> he's and then he goes in the mirror and starts talking to the demon. Yeah, his uncle. His uncle who looks like Ghost Rider and then burns into his uncle. And they're mad at him. He's yelling they're yelling at each other. Talking about how what happened last night and what happened last night, which happened in issue number one. We get a little more details. They were kind of skimpy on the Ghost Rider in issue one, but we get a little bit filled in here. So Ghost Rider not only killed one person, but killed multiple people. Right. And what does the Uncle Eli say about it? That they're bonding together and they're getting stronger. Yeah, so the more they fight, the more they exact vengeance and kill criminals, or maybe just kill anybody. Uh, Robbie's trying to kill criminals. Eli probably doesn't care. <laughs> but the more they kill, the, the, the closer, the tighter their bond gets and the less that, really kind of the more control Right? Mm-hmm. Okay. And then we got some more talky talk about the prisoner. And everyone says, oh, stay out of his way. He's dangerous. He killed multiple people. Yep. And that's kind of it <laughs> for that part. So we go back to the beach with Frankie uh, Avalon, right? Back to the beach. For all you old people out there. <laughs> oh, man. Where's oh. the dubstep? <laughs> right, the dubstep remix. Everybody's gone surfing. Wah, 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 wah. <laughs> surfing USA. Wah, 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 wah. Yes, that is what dubstep sounds like. That exact noise that I just made. No. No, it's called computerized noise. <laughs> yeah, sure. It's just some guy messing around on a keyboard. <laughs> Um, anyway, what happens on the beach? They fight it some more, and then Hulk smashes all the claws off of the giant monster Pokemon thing. Tries to, but then what does the monster do? Grabs Wolverine and uses it as a human spear. <laughs> yeah, swings her around with the claws out, and guess what? She can cut the Hulk. Okay, she cuts him right across the chest, and then the monster stabs her right into his big old belly. <laughs> I mean, only big because he's a huge Hulk. It's not like a bear belly or anything. <laughs> and that would be fun. A Hulk with a giant gut. <laughs> Hulk get mad. Hulk get hungry. Mm. <laughs> Hulk would have like beer bottles strapped to his belt. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. So anyway, Hulk and Wolverine are kind of dying. But of course, they're healing. And um, oh, one thing we kind of forgot to mention... um. So Amadeus Cho, the totally awesome Hulk, kind of has a crush on Arnie Wolverine. And she takes her mask off and he's like, whoa, <laughs> she's so pretty. <laughs> Hulk, boing, boing, boing. <laughs> um, He's like, dang, Wolverine is cute. <laughs> and uh, I guess she kind of says a joke. It wasn't really much of a joke. It was a pretty terrible joke. Um, what, the what did cheese she say? is real. Yeah. Yeah, what did she say? You're all, you are a real mess, too. It's not easy being green, huh? Yeah. I don't really know if that's a joke. I mean, they put it in quotes. Like, I don't know if she's referring to Chester Cheetah. Like, it's not easy being cheesy. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what, what the, the joke, what the reference is to. But anyway... Uh, the Hulk is so smitten that he's like, oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> he's 
He's like, he's like, I don't get it. She's cute and funny. I'm going to laugh at whatever she says. He's like, I don't get it, but it's funny to me. Yeah. Now, my favorite part of the whole issue is Wolverine's putting her mask back on and Hulk's trying to figure out why everyone's here. So he's like, uh, so what brings you to the West Coast, Wolvie? Can I call you Wolvie? <laughs> and what does she say? No, please don't. <laughs> <laughs> and so she, Laura introduces Gabby to the Hulk and they decide um, they're going to have to fight the monster together. And luckily the Hulk put a tracker on her skin, on the monster's skin. So then we go back to East L.A. at night and the, the criminal who just got hired is, is talking to his old criminal friend saying he's not going to be a bad guy anymore. Giving him groceries. What? He's giving him groceries. Oh, yes. Yes, he's, he went grocery shopping. <laughs> a criminal going grocery shopping. Well, he's not a criminal anymore. He got out of jail. I know, but... A person who used to be. Yeah. You don't expect that to happen. Well, I mean, he's, he's got to, he's going home for the first time, so he's got to get some food, right? Oh, yeah, that leftover lasagna. From before he went to prison? <laughs> yes. Probably kind of moldy. <laughs> he doesn't care. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> well, anyway, so they're arguing about whether or not he's going to do any crime. And um, Amadeus Cho and Laura a.k.a. the totally awesome Hulk and the all-new Wolverine, drive up in their car, and all these guys are just standing in the street. And so what happens then? They, they act like they're a couple. Okay, so Hulk acts like Wolverine and him are a couple and right. are trying to... Well, he, she goes, my <clears throat> girlfriend and I, and Wolverine's like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> We're just trying to drive by. And they say, turn around. And he's like, no. And he gets out of the car and turn, does what? Well, the other criminal says, get out of the van. He says, whatever you say, chief. Behind yeah. his hole. <laughs> yeah, like, whatever you say, chief. And he hulks up. And then everyone starts shooting. Of course, the hulk is bulletproof, so that's kind of dumb. <laughs> then Wolverine jumps out. We get a snicked. And she's cutting people up. And the hulk's fighting people. And then something kind of interesting happens, and we'll have to, I'll have to talk about this with you because I don't really know if I understand. So Ghost Rider shows up, and the bad guys, the gangsters, think that he is on their side. I and didn't then, understand that, too. Yeah, and so he, he revs his engine, and he starts driving at the Hulk and Wolverine, and he's about to crash into him and to be continued. So what do you think Ghost Rider is doing? Well, th this is, okay, I have two thoughts. Here's the silly one. He's okay. going to disappear through a portal and go to space. <laughs> okay, possibly. <laughs> and become one of the unicorns. <laughs> become one of the, okay. Are there unicorns in space? Of course there are. Of course there are. Th they're, they are the ones who make the rainbows. Oh, out of their butts? Yeah, so okay. that you can see them. Right, okay. From space. <laughs> oh, rainbow! I didn't know rainbows came from space. Okay. Yes, they did. The right. unicorns fart them out so that they and they become... fall to us. <laughs> yes. Okay. All right. The other. So the other thing that might happen. <laughs> the other thing that might well, happen. If you look at the cover, he does kind of have a unicorn flame horn. So yes, maybe you're exactly. right. Maybe you're right. I don't. What do I know? And the other idea that I had. All of a sudden, in the next um, 
part, he's going to take like a sharp turn and crash into everybody else. Crash into everybody else? Possibly. I do think it'll be one of those classic, the heroes are going to fight and then they'll team up at the end. Civil War. Well, yeah, in every comic book ever, when the heroes meet, they all go, I don't understand what you're doing. I don't understand what you're doing. Let's fight. Okay, let's team up and fight the bad guys. All right, let's do it. A couple minutes later, they decide we're on different teams, okay? (laughs) But it was weird, and I'm wondering maybe if it has something to do with Uncle Eli. And uh, like I said before, I didn't read the previous volume of Robbie Reyes as Ghost Rider. So there may be something in here that I'm supposed to know. But the gangsters are excited to see Ghost Rider. They're like, oh, you guys are in trouble now. Ghost Rider's here. Well, they also laugh like. Yeah. Yep. And so, yeah, very curious. Very curious to see, like, why they are so excited to see Ghost Rider. Because you think they would be scared, too. But they're not. Anyway, what did you think of the art? I think it's immersion. Also, if you look at the front cover, the only thing I had a problem with for the, the um, like the little side part where they show like the different. Oh, heads. like the little letterbox. Yeah. So there's four heads. There's a Hulk head, a Ghost Rider head, a Wolverine head, and a Shadow head. But if you look at um the Hulks, it has a very like chubby look. Yes. <laughs> and has like a butt, uh, like a double chin. He's got yeah, he's got like a, a classic cleft chin, yeah, common among superheroes. Um, I I like the art a lot. The only thing I didn't like is sometimes because in the totally awesome Hulk book, like Amadeus's actual book, everyone goes to kind of great pains that when he turns into Hulk, he still looks younger because he's only a, he's a teenager. So even when he hulks up, his face still looks kind of young. And this guy didn't, uh, he tried to give him like weird kind of facial expressions, like teenage facial expressions, but a lot of the times he just kind of looks like an average older Joe. Hulk, as opposed to kind of look like he could tell he was younger. But other than that, I thought the art was really good. So what do you think of the story? Immersion. Yeah, this is a little more Ghost Rider this time. A little bit. Uh, yeah. He still didn't do a whole lot as Ghost Rider, but there was more Robbie Reyes this time, I guess. Creator of this comic book series, I have one thing to say. You made a brand new series for <laughs> Ghost Rider. And so far... It's mostly only, about Wolverine and Hulk. <laughs> yes. So far, 30% of the comic book is and about Ghost Rider. <laughs> yeah. I think that's a fair assessment. All right. So with all that in mind... What are we going to grade Robbie Reyes, Ghost Rider number two? I am going to say five. Five out of six claws. Okay, sounds good. All right, well, thank you, Ethan, for coming back on. We'll have at least one more issue because this one's to be continued and Wolverine and Hulk are about to get run over by the Ghost Rider car, so they'll... They'll be in number three for sure, so we'll talk to you when they get back. Bye. All right. Thanks, buddy. All right. So we also have Old Man Logan in the new Star-Lord series, Star-Lord number one, which is starting off with the uh, Guardians of the Galaxy grounded banner. So this is kind of the story post-Civil War II. 
and the Guardians are stuck on Earth, and so we're going to pick up with a new Star Lord series, and Old Man Logan is in the first one. So this is written by Chip Sadarsky, art by Chris Anka, colors by Matthew Wilson, letters by VCs Corey Pettit, woohoo, and the cover is by Chris Anka, and the cover is pretty great. Um, it has Star Lord with kind of a ripped up shirt and his guns out. And he's in front of a Van Gogh painting, Starry Night. So that's kind of fitting. Pretty cool. And kind of in the lower right-hand corner, we have Wolverine's arm and claws. And, um, you know, something's going on. But it's a pretty great cover. I really like the new Star Lord logo, especially the color scheme on this first issue. It's a really dark, like, brick red letters, you know, and the star in between Star and Lord. And then kind of the background behind the letters, kind of, I guess, the ghost letters are in, like, a pinkish color. It looks really good. It's a really nice logo. And fits the issue. Um, speaking of fitting the issue, so basically we start off with uh, Star-Lord. He's, he's trapped on Earth. He's drinking his beers, getting in an argument with Agent Brand. And, uh, you know, laying around in his, his sweatpants, and no shirt, and there's a lot of conversation about that. And if you want to hear some really good kind of commentary on that, listen to the latest episode of the Enter Comics podcast, which I believe is titled, Is Star-Lord Too Sexy? And they, they talk at length about, um, and, and very entertainingly so, about uh, many kind of sequences in this book. So I'll, I won't go as in-depth, and plus, you know, not really what we're focusing on, but he's a pretty, pretty sexy dude running around with no shirt. <laughs> um, so Agent Brand's like, all right, we we got a phone. We put everyone that you know on Earth on this phone. Um, get out of here. Get out of my hair. Go do something. And on the phone are two contacts: Howard the Duck and Kitty. Of course, who they they just broke up. Uh, Star Lord Peter and Kitty were engaged. And that kind of got broken off due to the space capades. Um, so Peter calls Howard, and you know he's a foul-mouthed little foul, and he cusses Star Lord out and says, "Why are you calling me? You bored? I'm not here to entertain you. Whatever." Um, so and he says, "Why don't you go to an art museum?" I think just to be pissy, but uh, Star-Lord does it, and he's looking at Starry Night by Van Gogh, and art patron uh, comes up and talks about how it's really good, but, you know, it's kind of overrated, which, I mean, yeah, I get it's what everybody knows, and maybe it's easy to talk about, even if you don't necessarily like art, it's easy to pretend you like this painting, but I don't think it's overrated, it's really fantastic, especially if you've seen it for reals. Um, anyway, um, he hears a voice that he recognizes and Kitty is with some of the mutants from her school looking at paintings and they kind of get she kind of stands off gives him um, kind of the cold shoulder she's polite about it but obviously not really interested in hanging out he's like but I, don't, I just want to hang out with my ex-fiance you know He's like, but I'm not being creepy. And from off scene, you know what, bub? You kind of are. <laughs> and um, 
Oh, so one of the things Kenny was mad about is that Star-Lord came to the art museum with his elemental guns. Like, there's kids around. You should leave those at home. How'd you get through the metal detector? And then <laughs> someone Logan shows up, he's like, oh, how did he get past the metal, metal detectors? Look, old man, Logan is fine, kid. <coughs> and Peter tells Logan to back off. And Logan says, you know what? Get out of here. And so he does. He decides he you know, doesn't want to be annoying. One of my favorite parts about this as he walks off, and Kitty, who is not a tall woman, is uh, standing next to Logan, and, and of course he's shorter. I always like when Logan is appropriately short in the art. Um, and so we see a diner um, on a different planet, and Peter's half-sister is there, and someone gives her a hard time about not you know, having being run out of her own planet, Spartax. And she doesn't take too kindly to that. She whoops some butt. And then Peter's walking around. And um, Logan tracks him down and says, and so, of course, Peter expects, like, a fight or a good talking to you. But Logan's like, nope, let's go have some beers. We're both guys out of time, stuck somewhere we don't want to be. Let's just go drink. I really like the art in the panel where it kind of focuses on old man Logan's eyes, his steel cold blue dead eyes, staring at Peter. And um, then they kind of get a face up or a close up of them in each other's face, and Logan's scowling. And then he cracks an old man smile. <laughs> he goes, Got no desire to knock out some kid, though you going unconscious and entirely off the table, which is kind of creepy. <laughs> He's going to slip him a roofie? I don't know. Um, anyway, so many beers later, they're at a bar. They're talking. They're bonding, you know? And um, Peter's kind of re- reluctant. He's like, oh, we're not the same, you and I. I, I I'm not stranded. I, uh, and he goes to the bathroom, and Logan smells something. He sees some guns. And he pops his claws and cuts off a guy's hand. With a gun still in it. Pretty nice. Um, and the guy's like, oh, oh my hand. <laughs> and Wolverine pulls in his claws. And what could have been a nomination for Snack of the Year, but Chris Anka messed up here. The claws go in, and we still get a snicked, not a snacked. The most disappointing part about the comic. But uh, Logan's like, was aiming for the gun. Getting old, I guess. And, of course, all the other criminals are pretty peeved. Um, Peter walks out of the bathroom as he's zipping up his pants. A mug hits the wall behind him. And he decides to jump in and join the fight. So they fight together. They beat up some criminals. They go outside. Um, One of the criminals tries to run him over. Um, A bystander accidentally gets shot, which, of course, pisses Logan off. We get another snicked. And a roar as he jumps up and gets shot full of holes but still does his damage. Uh, Star-Lord runs over to protect the girl, shoots the, the car with his element gun, which, of course, forces it to crash. But then the police show up, and they arrest Star-Lord. So I got to say, I love, love, love Sorrentino's artwork and 
you know, we got the Wolfie episode, the annual Wolfie Award episode coming up, and Denise and I will be arguing about um, exactly how much I love Sorrentino's artwork. That said, I can really get behind, and not that I want him to leave this book, because this was a great first issue, but I can really get behind, based on this issue, a Chip Zdarsky, Chris Anka, Old Man Logan book. Um, artistically, I mean, Chris Anka just always looks great. So the art, you know, let me put that out there. Awesome in this book. Always, always is. My Chris Anka, I'm a fan. Um, and I feel like Chip Z here nails the tone and kind of the character of Old Man Logan um, better than he usually comes off in his own book. And for sure, better than Lemire does him in Extraordinary X-Men. So, I really enjoyed this appearance. I thought him and Peter, both kind of the gruffness in the museum while he's defending Kitty and trying to help Peter take the hint to buzz off. But also when him and Peter are bonding and he's kind of trying to be the, uh, the big brother, stepfather figure, whatever, to Peter. Like, I don't know, it just felt very true to the character, to the Logan I've, I've known and loved for a long time. It was appropriately grumpy, but not um, not as a caricature, so. And so I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed this, this guest appearance. Uh, the art was really good. The story was pretty fun. Um, I'm going to give Star-Lord number one five out of six claws. And that, my friends, is Where's Wolverine? All right, guys, that's going to do it. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Um, IVX is upon us. So um, next up will be our 2016 Wolfie Award Show. I love our award show. I don't know if you're going to love it this year. I think we're going to, I think this will be the first year we disagree quite a bit on who Uh, to give these awards to. We should do like the classic, like we, we put who we want in there and like seal it in an envelope. <laughs> the problem is we don't have a tiebreaker. No, we really don't. So I don't know, but um, we'll we'll figure it out, or you can just listen to us argue. <laughs> That's what you do most of the time, anyway, right? Right. <laughs> so and after that, we don't argue. We banter. We banter. That's correct. <laughs> um, after that, I'm really hoping that the planets will align and or collide or whatever needs to happen. And we can finish up the flashback on Inferno. So that's, that's my goal. That's my New Year's resolution for you. Anyway, those, those are the, what's coming up, coming up soon. So please like the Facebook page. Twitter is at SnickCast. Email us SnickCast at Yahoo.com. And the website with show notes is snickcast.podbean.com. So anyway, until next time, hugs and snicks, everybody. Bye. And snack. Damn you. Snickety snack. Snickety snickety snack. Because I'm snickety snickety snack. I want a snack. Do we have snacks? We always always have snacks, but not any chocolate. So I never get to snack. (laughs) That's not true. I gave you chocolate and peanut butter in your stocking. Well, I ate all that already. You ate the, the peanut butter cup already? What?
right, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to continue this offline. Well, Santa gave you a dark chocolate peanut butter all natural cup in your stocking. Yeah, the the who, not Justin. Justin, yeah. Yes, I ate them already. You didn't share. I don't recall half of them being in your stocking. But usually you go, here, my love, would you like a bite? Yeah, I mean, you're usually home when I eat them. Where was I? Uh, you were either at work or running errands with your mom. <gasps> and you didn't share? You didn't I was, save me I a got bite. off you of a very a stressful two-hour conference call. And you <laughs> just decided to eat all of your chocolate? <laughs> yeah, I ate all of my snack, not realizing <laughs> that it was not intended to be mine, though it was in my stocking. But there's two peanut butter cups, and there we're married. There are two cups, so one for each of my mouth. <laughs> you have two mouths? <laughs> what did you like to know? <laughs> but we're married. You share everything equally. Usually I do. Ergo, I think, I think I have a good track record. Is, should be half in my stocking. Oh, okay. Even though I bought it for you. <laughs> I'm pretty sure those came from Starbucks, and we have like an infant. Not infinite, but pretty close to infinite gift card at Starbucks. Um, one, they didn't come from Starbucks. They came from Kroger. Oh, I didn't know Kroger was selling those now. Yes, it's in the This is super interesting, snack. guys. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're going, when does it end? Does Why it is there five more minutes it, to this? It, it after is they whenever you goodbye. stop it, listener, dear listener. <laughs> it's up to you. You are in control. You have the power. I, and we you can, can talk turn it about off. peanut butter cups forever. <laughs> By the way, I had one of those new ones with the big cup and the Reese's Pieces, the tiny Reese's Pieces in the middle. Is it good? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I was like, crack? no, this is too fat, boy, or <laughs> it's not going to be near as good as it sounds. Yes, it is. Would it taste good broken up and stuck in some vanilla ice cream? Probably. <laughs> Get on that DQ. That's my vice. Make, make a blizzard. Vanilla ice cream with broken up Reese's peanut butter cups. You better than chocolate ice cream. No, I mean, no, blue bell Dutch no, chocolate. no, yeah. no. Vanilla creamy home style vanilla with broken up peanut butter cups. Mmm. Mm. Mm. That's so not on my paleo lifestyle diet. Nope. <laughs> Caveman don't know what they're missing. Nope. That's why they went extinct <laughs> or evolved, I guess, would be more appropriate. They evolved so that they could. <laughs> they can enjoy chocolate and peanut butter together. Have you ever seen... The pinnacle of the human experience. The Family Guy episode where these two guys are driving and one guy's like, I really love my chocolate <laughs> Yes. Then play on the old commercials. They have a, a life-ending car crash and then some guy comes up. And it's like, a police officer. Oh, yeah. He comes up. And their and, peanut butter and their chocolate got squished together. And then he realizes they're still alive, so he takes them out. So that he can sell. <laughs> right. Yeah. I had the idea first. <laughs> you got chocolate on my peanut butter. You got peanut butter on my chocolate. <laughs> yes. Oh, family guy. All right. Well, this is it. We already said goodbye. We, we said goodbye. Now we're signing off. Yeah. We should just stop it right now. Just cut me off. Just just hit stop. Just, yeah. 